Before we begin, just to let you guys know, our logo artwork was designed by Nicole Anarchy and music by Taylor Paisley French. Warning, this podcast does contain spoilers for the Verse series. Hello everyone and welcome to the Best Damn Camp, a Ronverse read-along and analysis podcast that sets out to read all the books by Rick Riordan in timeline order. I'm your host Ron and welcome to the show. Today I'm joined by a very special guest in the form of the master of memes. It is Robert from the Damn Meme page on Instagram, Twitter and all that good stuff. If you are not following, what kind of person are you? Are you even a fan of Percy Jackson? I mean, seriously... Seriously, what kind of person are you? Uh, I don't mean that in a serious way, but also you really should be following the memes because uh, memes are life. Robert is life. Robert, hello, thank you. <laughs> hello, hi. Um, I feel like gate or which 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 would it be gate gatekeeping, girl boss, or gaslighting to be like, hey, if you're not following the meme page, you you're like a horrible person. Um, uh, probably gaslighting. <laughs> there we go. Probably that. But yeah, hi, my name is Robert. I am uh, the damn meme page on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. Uh, I make memes for just about all the Percy Jackson podcasts. There's there, there's definitely some that are slipping under my radar, but, you know, at least this one. Oh, for sure, for sure. And there, there are so much fun. Like, you do some amazing content. Obviously, one of them has gone recently hugely viral. Uh, which yeah. Is, yeah, insanely viral. So... Um, if you're watching and you haven't been following, you may have seen the meme at some point because uh, it is everywhere right now. Um, and it's amazing yeah. and hilarious. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> but um, yes, yeah, so uh, all, all that information to follow the meme page is going to be in the episode show notes down below. So if you aren't already following, you can do so now by going to the link in the episode show notes. But Robert has specific... English is a hard word. Hard it, word, it, hard language. Jesus Christ. You, you messed up twice. Oh, good job. <laughs> I thought you're, you're supposed to be the English gay. I'm supposed to be the maths gay. How, how, did the, we mess, how did we fall so far? I am the English gay in that I am the writing gay. I'm not the actual able to speak the English language gay. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> you specifically asked to be on these two chapters. So, yes, we are continuing the timeline journey today. The King Chronicles, The Throne of Fire, Chapter 17, Menshikov hires a happy death squad, and Chapter 18, Gambling on Doomsday Eve, which are both from Carter's point of view. So I am kind of intrigued as to why you chose these two chapters. Uh, I chose them because I had just read them for the first time a few months ago. Uh, up until a certain point, I thought my podcast, uh, oh God, Into the Riordanverse was going to continue. But then my co-host and I were like, yeah, we're too busy into like in two different lives right now. We can't really do it. So I'm like, okay, well, if I'm just not going to do this podcast, I'm, I, I guess I'm just going to read the rest of the book. Smart, smart. Um, yeah. 
<laughs> and yeah, so it's going to be interesting to hear your points of view, especially from someone who's only recently read them for the first time. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, we'll be getting into this. So as always, we've got our points to focus on. So today we've got plot, characters, and generally what we thought of it. But to begin, here is a basic overview <laughs> from Robert of these two chapters. Okay, uh, chapter 17 is essentially they get away from Menshikov and uh, they back to the future themselves to the, um, the what's it called? The, the, the Daunt, right? The, or the Duat, the Daunt, what do you guys call it? Uh, Duat. The Duat. And that's essentially what chapter 17 is about. There's also some brief awkwardness between uh, Carter and Zia, but y- you know, it's a Rick Riordan book. Um, and then, like, a brief synopsis for chapter 18 would be they wake up in the Duwa, and, uh, <clears throat> they, like, go through the path of Ra, and do, do, do they meet the, the first form of Ra in this chapter? I forget. Uh, they haven't actually, so they've only just arrived at So the they boat. only just arrived. Yeah, Spoilers yeah. for, the, like, <laughs> the next chapter, the next two set of chapters. <laughs> um... But they go into the duo and they they at least get the boat, don't they? They at least like summon up the boat. They they talk to Nekbet and Bobby, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then they summon the boat and they start like uh No, Sadie's the one who like wakes up. So they all all they do is just they just get a boat. That's about it. Yeah, that's pretty much but that's how the chapter ends is that they've just stepped onto the boat. <laughs> yeah. And the next two chapters oh, I should have hopped on for the Sadie chapters. The next two chapters are more interesting because Sadie you'll talk about it next episode. <laughs> I will indeed. Um but yes, that is a basic summary for these two uh, chapters. Key- keyword basic. <laughs> You're basic. Um <laughs> But don't worry for everyone who's listening, if you want to hear in a little bit more detail, we'll be going into that right now with the little bit more detailed overview for Chapter 17, Menshikov Hires a Happy Death Squad. And here is the overview for Chapter 17. Carter is in trouble as he battles Menshikov one-on-one with a crook and flail. Unfortunately, he isn't strong enough to fight back, and as his power fades, he catches sight of a terrified Zia and loses out. Thankfully, Sadie and Walt arrive just in time to free Bess and stop him from being corrupted by the Russians' evil magic. Escaping with an unconscious ear, they make their way to Cairo. It is time for rest, but not in the dream realm. Horace and Carter meet in the chief elector's hall, where Horace tells Carter it is his destiny to sit on the throne. But Carter refuses. They need Ra if they have any chance of survival. Horace, disappointed, shows him that they may be out of time with that. Menshikov has created an evil army of demons, bitter creatures of Ra, and even murderous magicians to attack Brooklyn House. They're running out of time, and Carter has no idea what to do. Oh, poor boy. (laughs) Poor boy. I mean, to be fair, it's sort of... It's sort of like saying Percy has no idea what to do. Like, they have an idea of what to do. They just don't really know how to do it yet. And if they knew how to do it. Yeah, no. She, yeah, no, they, they find out how to do it. I just realized. Like, they have to go into the Dua and they find out how to get into there. That's next chapter. Never mind. Oh, you know, but okay, you're so just... Right now, they don't know what, they don't know what to do. I'll give them that. 
yeah no, no you're you're right so they do figure out pretty much basically he's having sort of a crisis of identity which yeah. is the thing that I kind of so I, obviously I know that you listen to the podcast so you know that I am I a artist <laughs> yes you do because um, yes, you make do. very cool memes for it. Um, but you'll know that I am a Carter Stan, like insanely so, like a huge Carter Stan. I, um, I, 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 I very much know you're a Carter Stan, but I, for some reason, I like Sadie more. She's amazing. Yeah, everyone does. I don't really, like, I don't know anyone else who is a big Carter Stan like I am. Um, so it's. <laughs> It's a very rare thing for people to be Carter stands. But um, this chapter just embodied why I really like him as a character. Because mm-hmm. like he's finding these weaknesses in himself and that he was enjoying the power of the crook and flail and being able to use it. But mm-hmm. seeing like the terror that he was seemingly inflicting on Zeta of her looking afraid is what kind of knocks him out. Mm. of this like power overload and like even when he's having that conversation with Horace and he's almost tempted by Horace basically being like hey you could kind of get all the power in the world you could be fairer you could have all of this and he's almost tempted by it it just I like that they there's these human elements to his characters like he he is tempted in the sense of like the ability to have this incredible power. He's felt the mm. power of the crook and fail. It was amazing. Absolutely. He loved it. Mm. But then see, like he's also incredibly human at the same time. Like he's very affected by the people around him, like seeing Zia scared, seeing what he was doing scared him as much as it scared her seemingly. Um, mm-hmm. I think his sort of crisis is in the fact that like, he's wondering if the choice he made of bringing Ra back was actually really for more selfish reasons of believing he was right. Like he's having this crisis in a sense of faith in his own decisions of was it really the right idea? Everyone's been telling me it was the wrong idea. Maybe they were right and he doesn't fully know the answer anymore. I just like, Mm. I like that he's a sort of character who recognises his own flaws and tries to find ways to improve himself and improve the way he wants to do things yeah what's it called character who acquires significant power to overthrow their enemies but that power scares their loved ones gotta be one of my favorite genders (laughs) literally though and that's like carter to a t and i think Mm. that's half why he's my favorite because he's just he's just such a good boy (laughs) he's he's so good good and he just cares about everyone he he cares about what other people think mm-hmm. um and while he know like he has this whole thing of thinking i know i could be a, a good leader now and like before where he was like yeah no i cannot be a leader because he's had this chance like he's been teaching these kids magic for months now and he's mm-hmm. taking on this role of leadership so he knows he's capable but he's also still afraid of what that could mean for him to actually take on this role um and i don't know i just i just i really like it <laughs> i mean yeah i know it's really nicely written um zia uh, yeah zia's like described look of horror and shock when carter is because he's about to kill menshikov right like he he sort of he's, he's in a position where he could kill him yeah and was considering it and he was considering it and then he looks up at Zia and Zia's like, no, don't do it. And then that's when like the the, the little 
uh, avatar he has disappears. And uh, the only reason he doesn't get stabbed is because, like, um, uh, Sadie and Walt come out of a portal made that was, like, connected to Bess, which was pretty funny to me. I, I, I did not... I don't think they... Re- um, I don't think they told you beforehand but i uh this is the first time i think we're seeing a god being used as like a gateway like a portal yeah i think this is the first time because he was best was very angry about it. it's like i am not a relic you do not get to use me as mm. a landing point for a portal i'm not old sort of thing like i thought that was very funny i thought that was that was hilarious yeah uh i also do love the little back and forth where sadie is like or where Bess is like how how could you use me as a portal and sadie's like well it wasn't our idea pata sent us here to help you and he's like pata pata the god no pata the date farmer I, and the best part about it, she's not actually wrong. <laughs> like, he is no. a date farmer as well. In in my podcast, we called him Old Man Jenkins. I don't know if you know that joke. Uh, I recognize the joke, but I do not know. The... It's from SpongeBob. Oh, uh, that would half make sense why I know it, but don't really know it because yeah. SpongeBob wasn't really here that much, which is kind of nah. sad. Yeah. But Fran, it's Old Man Jenkins in his jalopy. I wish I understood. <laughs> oh, we got. But speaking we, of, we, we uh, got to take down the sponge with the flying pants. Who can do it? <gasps> Old man Jenkins. <laughs> oh my gosh! Admittedly, Old man Jenkins in this case is helping out. So, yeah, props, props. <laughs> Old man Jenkins, uh, either a senile old man or committing war crimes. Either way, he's amazing. Oh, in, in regards to an old man Jenkins committing war crimes, let's talk about Menshikov. Oh, boy. Yeah. Because, um, what the fuck? Yeah, uh, Menshikov is trying to kill our boy, and he's trying to, like, manipulate uh, Iskan- or not, not Iskander, um, Desjardins, to be like, hey, we got to kill them. We can't take them to trial. And Desjardins, it's kind of hint throughout this chapter that like he's weakening, right? He's weakening and he looks like, um, not that he's under Vladimir's control, but that like Vladimir's affecting him in some way. Yeah. And I think that they finally kind of pegged onto that. Cause I think I remembered it slightly in the back of my subconscious because I haven't read this series in a while. So there are some things that I'm, I don't remember. I'm like, Oh, I did not know this, <laughs> but, um, yeah, this chapter, like the part where Horace is showing the vision of Menshikov and Desjardins together in the Chief Lecter's Hall, like yeah. where he, like Menshikov. Spoilers. Looks, it's still in this chapter. Well, it's st- no, it's it's two blurry figures that Carter doesn't quite recognize. We don't know who they are until the climax. No, no, it's still them. It's Menshikov and Desjardins. In, in the, oh, in wait, the, hall. the 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 vision or the hall? Oh, okay, never mind. I'm spoiling. <laughs> I was gonna say I, I I was gonna say I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> like this is the whole like Horace is showing them the vision of Menshikov creating this army to send right. To okay, house. no, never mind. I thought we were talking about a different vision. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. This vision, um, mm. where Menshikov is like in a white suit and Deschartes mm. is like hobbling and all these sort of things, and he is not looking good, and right. like. That was the moment I was like, okay, yeah, Menshikov is doing something because, and they also figure that out in the next chapter as well, because yeah. Menshikov was the one who was in the fight with Carter and he looks perfectly fine. 
Mm-hmm. Deschardins was not involved in any of it, and he looks like he's dying. Mm. Um, so it's our first proper hint that, yes, yeah, something is not right with this relationship of of the sorts. Um, but it was interesting, though, because we this is also a chapter where we have that discussion with Horace, where we learn about Menshikov's background mm. as well, um, of the fact that um, he was, in a sense, cursed by the Book of Ra previously because he thought he could release Ra mm. all that time ago um, and be like this powerful priest and all yeah, these sort of things. Yeah, isn't his family like from the Disciples of Ra or something like that? Yeah, they were the priests of Akun yeah. Ra, yeah. Yeah, and so he's like, well, my fa- with my family heritage, I can definitely do this just by myself. And no, no, he couldn't. No. No, he could not. Um, and I thought it was interesting because also he tried to do it with just one of the pages, seemingly. Yes. Like he didn't have all three pages. And I'm like, that's automatically just stupid in general. Yeah, um, I'm like, if you're such a, a follower of Ra and you know all these rules and stuff, like how did you not know you needed all three? Exactly. But uh, he tries to do, read the spell and it basically burns out his throat and all these sort of things and causes him some real damage. And because yeah. of that, he now hates Ra and his want to return him to you know, life basically uh, is an act of revenge, yeah. which is where I think his like evil revenge plot kind of falls apart a little bit. Cause it's like, there's one thing for wanting to get revenge on gods. And there's an entirely other thing of working with chaos incarnate to bring Apophis back. Yeah. Like, I think it's a bit of a jump. <laughs> yeah. That, that, that's also something that happens in this chapter where he hires I say hires like he's offering them 401k and and like and days off, but yeah. uh, Menshikov does hire or acquire. Let's use acquire uh, an an army of like emo demons creatures that don't like raw. Uh, basic. Oh, and a bunch of like villainous and murderous magicians. Oh, yeah. that's also a thing. Was are, is this chapter? I forget if it's this chapter or like a previous set of chapters where they talk about how um, there is a punishment gnome in North Korea. That was this one. So one of the people who's come in is from the punishment um, gnome in North Korea. And another one who is also from a different punishment gnome in Antarctica. Yeah. So I, I I made a meme about this, but it's kind of, listen, the little punishment meme in uh, the little punishment gnome in in Antarctica. Fantastic. Little cute, funny. Whatever. A punishment gnome in North Korea? Excuse me, Rick? Yeah, I... Mm, it's just... Yeah, it was a bit... I mean, on... you'd probably be right, but also, you don't have to say it, buddy. No, at least the Antarctica one. Like, there's no one who actually lives in Antarctica, except for the penguins and polar bears. So, and like, that makes whatever sense. whatever scientist is down there. there oh, yeah. Occasion, there's occasionally a scientist there. there there's, there's a couple of bases. Yeah. Yeah. But like also there's you've got two different Arctic poles that you could use as punishment gnomes. You've no, got... because if you send them to the North Pole, you get they get to see Santa. That's that's true. Santa is keeps to, Santa is, Santa is to... the security guard of is, that gnome. Is Santa does he exist in the Riot Inverse? I'm trying to think if he does. I don't think he does. The closest would be like Nessus, who looks like Santa Claus. Like oh, the, the, that was the, it, yeah. The the chapter of Percy Jackson that's like I fight Santa's evil twin, that would be about the closest we have. Yeah. I guess I it makes sense. Yeah, I don't think we have like an actual Santa, because like Santa like, Claus is like not like a godly figure or like a prophet or anything. No, I mean, just he, a person who became uh, a saint. Yeah, 
pretty much i guess that's why he wouldn't be included in you know the riot inverse because that's sort of based off like what christianity and such yeah although jesus does exist but jesus is a prophet by and mention, a god by mention he exists uh which is my favorite this is sideline for a second but it's my favorite line from uh that thor says during the magnus chase books oh yeah where he's like yeah the christians have that christ fellow you know i i, I challenge him to a fight but he hasn't gotten back to me yet i'm like oh that's amazing. <laughs> i did love but yeah so i don't think santa will exist no. but if he does maybe he's like the security guard of the north uh, uh arctic pole um, but yeah, yeah, but like literally, like Rick, you have two possibilities that aren't in any way a bit dodgy oh, <laughs> in relation. Yeah, I mean, definitely. Listen, Rick, this book came out in what, 2012, I believe? Uh, this one was 2011. Okay, so he would have been like writing it in 2010. Uh, North Korea was still pretty bad in 2010. Like there were yeah. like documentaries and, and tales about what was happening behind North Korea. Yeah. Uh, I definitely think this is one of like Rick's poor, in poor taste moments where he maybe thought he was the right person to write it, but he wasn't. Yeah. Yeah. I think it also tight because obviously we've got this line alongside having the Russian be the bad guy. Yeah. Listen, a, a Russian being the bad guy, a little on the nose, but whatever, you know. Yeah. Uh, especially nowadays if you wrote this book now i'm pretty sure no one would uh would question oh yeah the russians uh evil yeah 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 gotcha but 2011 uh, what, what 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 was putin doing i don't know i don't know what putin was doing if it was 2015 because i think that was when the annex of crimea happened was 2015 yeah. i would half get it. but it also just every time i read this and i was like oh yeah the russian's bad guy i was like so that's that's just very American. Like immediately, yeah. I was like, "This is very American," yeah. and it's kind of lazy. Like from a writing perspective, it's not in, a, in, in an insult way in relation to America, but as in like <laughs> American villains are either Russian or English. You're not wrong. I was going to say the other one was English. Yeah. Just now, I'm watching. Um... Do, do, one of Dr. Seuss's works, Green Eggs and Ham, got adapted into a Netflix show, which is pretty good, actually. I'm not going to lie. I think it's so far the best modern Dr. Seuss adaptation. Mm. Um, and this new season that just came out, yes, season, there's more than one season about this, um, uh, came out and the introduced main villain is British. Yeah. It's a recurring theme. Yeah, so yeah, so I think American villains are usually either English, Russian, or East Asian. Like those are the three. Yeah. Well, we did have a big fight with the British way back when. We also had a bunch of fights, and also the United States in general just does not do well with Asian culture. We we straight up did put Japanese people in in, um, in, uh, in camps in the 40s. That was not good. Yeah. And you've got the uh, the Chinese... What was it? The Not the Emancipation Act. Um, maybe it was the Immigration Act. Something like that in the 1800s where they basically yeah. said all Asian people, you're not allowed. Pretty much. Yeah, we uh, we have not been good. <laughs> and, and, and you could try and be like, oh, this happened, you know, 200 years ago. This happened uh 80 years ago today is better today is 
margin no like like the margins between how better we are quote unquote from 80 years ago is like half a step forward yeah i think that in the case of the king chronicles like just half tight back this is the one <laughs> issue that i have with the king chronicles is that the villains kind of suck like yeah you're not wrong i don't yeah. know i mean when you think about like or like the like the magnus chase books the main villain is loki which uh, yeah that's overdone and overused thanks marvel uh or how the main villains of the percy jackson books are like giant like chronos like gaia like um oh god what's the name of the emperor guy from the trials of apollo series uh, um, oh god uh nero nero yeah yeah but so, like yeah. actual mythology based yeah well, the first the first book of the uh of the king chronicles the the main villain was set which uh, he was defeated rather easily i want to say but you know that's just me uh and then the next two books the villain is supposed to be apophis apophis a po- snake i i say apophis so i'm just gonna say snake boy um <laughs> and <laughs> And Snake Boy, uh, he doesn't even get out in this book. Like, I, I know how the rest of the book goes, so a little bit of a spoiler, but like they... Oh, no, we talk spoilers on this, so it's fine. Yeah, so they they get raw. They get him out of the duat. And I think that also... But during the final fight, they don't wake him up. Ap- Apophis, do they? Or does No, I think they get close, but also kind of not really. Yeah, like... so they have... So they get... Raw. So again, it's just another example of Rick Riordan just being Rick Riordan. I don't know. <laughs> no, I no, I completely get what you mean. I think it's this is the issue that I have, and I brought it up so many times throughout this book and even the first book as well. Yeah, you can tell this series was not his priority. You can tell this was a side project while he was writing Heroes of Olympus. Yeah, and it shows up so easily in mm. how the villains work and how like the plot is there but there are parts missing consistently because i would say that the second book has some significant elements but it just yeah. feels like it feels like a second book of like all the stuff that's happening here <laughs> is all for the finale yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you're like not it's wrong. not really significant on its own that just sort of seems to be the theme with a lot of second books because i'm thinking about like oh, sea yeah. of monsters has the same general it's like a it's like a it's not an unimportant chapter but it does set things up for the future you have like i I hate talking about her books but based off my memory chamber of secrets is also sort of a what if nothing book but has has plot points that develop in the future like the diary being a horcrux for example that's about it uh, I don't know what's weird about the second book in a series. Just oh, it's an that. actual thing. So it's called second really? books. It's called second books. Really, and it's where like most multi-book series, even like trilogies and stuff like that, the second book is often considered to be the weakest. Okay, and it is usually because they are used as jumping-off points for what's going to happen in either the finale or the next book, or like setup things. I'm like, genuinely trying to think of a second book that I that I like. Yeah. Or, or, or that like isn't like okay. So Heroes of Olympus, Son of Neptune is my favorite out of the the five books. Yeah. But I think it also falls under the. Uh, no, it's a very important. No, I guess because it's the only one that's like secluded away. It's in Alaska, so that book is also a, quote unquote, nothing book. 
that has, but it has some. Well, actually, no, it doesn't even have significant things. Yeah, so it um, does. I mean, it it does bring in Hazel and Frank. Oh yeah, yeah. So it brings in the other seven. Yeah. And we defeat one giant, well, but then also giant. the giant reappears at the end of the series anyway. So yeah, technically... who knows? Who cares? Yeah. Um, but oh, other than I that, I can't wait until I can't wait until after you get through this because this book. I mean, listen, it's a good book. I think the King Chronicles are pretty good in general. Uh, I I need to start the third one to be absolutely sure. But knowing <laughs> the the, the even with the climax coming and even with uh, some loss coming, even with some, uh, not trauma, some danger coming, I kind of feel like the ending of this book pitters out a little more than it did in the first one. Yeah, and this is what I, this would be considered as part of the second book syndrome where the ending of that second book mm. really just feels like it's meant to just be setting some things up. Like it's not, like think the only other example I can think of is New Moon. For the Twilight oh series, <laughs> New Moon is very much it's intended to set things up for future. We've got the werewolf situation. We've got the fact that <laughs> Bella and Edward are very codependent. We also <laughs> know that in that book, it sets up that she has to become a vampire later on. It sets up the Volturis for later on. Like it's very much a book that is intended just to set things up for future. Mm. Yeah, like that's the only significance of that book. Um, and I'm just trying to think like um, I think the only one that doesn't have this situation is Trials of Apollo and Magnus Chase I don't think any of those series suffer from second book syndrome but I, oh, I I'm saying that now and I'm like actually we'll see when I get to actually because now I'm going to have to be thinking about this a lot of which of the series actually suffer from second book syndrome interesting interesting i'm looking forward to this <laughs> we're just gonna look at every second book by the time <laughs> by the time what was the timeline that samuel gave you all those t- times ago like eight years to do all the books up like that oh yeah, yeah yeah that's where i'm at <laughs> yeah oh um, man i can't, can't i can't wait to be in my 30s still talking about percy jackson oh yeah well no in my case i'll be closer to my 40s by the time I finish. Yeah. Um, and uh, can we talk about how if the show starts and or like releases in 2023 and we get a season every year, uh, it won't finish till 2038. Oh, wait, sorry. Hold on. I think you meant for Percy Jackson and the Olympians. And I was like, no, 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 no. That's why I got really confused. I was, like, I, I was like, honey, that's not how five years works. <laughs> no, no. So but yeah, for if, everything, everything. Yeah, if yeah. we had everything, yeah. That would be 2038 where we would be I'm sorry 2030 no 2020 2038 that's 15 years where we would be uh I would be 40 you would be almost 42. God. Yeah. <laughs> oh god. I can't wait to be 40 fucking years old when this story <laughs> finally ends on the big screen. Wow. My, that's fucking hell. Let's move on. Let's move on. Yeah, that's depressing. Yeah. At least hopefully I'll still be in my 20s by the time the last Kane Chronicles movie comes out. Which, by the way, if you're listening, remember the Kane Chronicles are getting an adaptation too. Yes. Um, I'm going to link actually in the description box the Reddit page for the King mm. Chronicles movies and also the one for the TV show for Percy Jackson yeah. as well because like lots of stuff 
less toxic for environments as well for like the whole yeah. casting situation. Or was going to put this in here. If you're sending hate to children, fuck off. You deserve nothing in life. I mean, there's listen, blatant racism aside, the majority of people I see are saying all these things to a 12 year old. They're like in their twenties. And I'm like, yeah. my guy, like go, go, go to your job, pay your taxes, touch some, grass. touch some grass. Like there's nothing better to do with your life than yell at a child that's yeah. about half your age or more. Yeah, who could actually be your child. Yeah. In a lot of cases. Um, but yeah, speaking of children, Zia. My God, Zia is super realistic in this scene, actually. I am yeah. loving... So many people have talked about not liking Zia because of her whole thing of like not remembering stuff and kind of being mean. I'm like, but she's not being mean. She's woken up from she's months of traumatic honest. nightmares. <laughs> And is being really open about, you know, her fear, not knowing what's going on. Because the nightmares that she was having, she was seeing mm. Carter in those nightmares. Yeah. Like if you see someone in a nightmare, you are automatically going to assume they're probably not a good person. Because, no, like, no, no. having them turn up, when you don't know who they are, really, you've just seen them in nightmares. Mm. Completely justified. Um, yeah. And just... I don't get why people were so angry at her for the fact that she forgot who Carter was, but also kind of doesn't fully kind of get on board and she doesn't want to get into a relationship with him. I'm like, no, no, let women choose. <laughs> let yeah, women no, decide. No. Wait, wait, Fran, so you're telling me that uh, Zia forgore? She what? She forgore. She forgore. Yeah, it's not that she forgot. She she knows. Yeah, like you said, she knows who he is, but all because of uh, Snake Boy's uh, like dream manipulation and giving her nightmares, mm. she's on edge. In the next chapter, which I don't know if you want to switch that yet or not, but in the next um, one, yeah, yeah, we can do that. In the next one, like while they're at the pyramid waiting, uh, we, we, did you do the chapter eighteen synopsis thingy that you do? Um, no, no, but or, you can talk about that and then I'll do that afterwards. So yeah. just because you've got the sort in your mind. Yeah, no, it's just that, like, and I think this is my favorite Zia moment, non-action-y Zia moment, where she sits him down and she's like, listen, I appreciate you saving me, but things are really confusing me for that. Uh, uh, things are really confusing for me right now, and, you know, I don't want to, like, date or anything. And yeah. he, he, he gets it, I think. He also freaks out a little internally. He's like, oh, my God, is this happening? Wait, what? But he understands. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I have that because obviously we're going to be doing characters later. I have a whole thing about Carter to do with this scene. So, yes, yeah. I'm glad you brought it up. But to just kind of go to the overview for chapter 18, which is entitled Gambling on Doomsday Eve, this is the overview, and then we'll be diving in with more discussion. Discussion. Uh, Carter... discussion. Disgusting! Carter... Disgusting! Carter wakes up to find everyone is strangely at peace. And working well together with a bit of gambling. Of course, it was after Zia tried to sort of kill everyone while he was unconscious. Zia finally believes them. She knows that Menchikov is bad news. And from what she saw in her nightmares, she knows their path is to free. No, she knows their path to free Ra is the right one. At sunset, Walt and Zia will head back to Brooklyn House to help defend it while Sadie and Carter head into the Duat to begin the journey of Ra. Reaching the top of the pyramid, a portal is created, but before they step through, Zia takes Carter aside. She is sorry she can't remember him, and says she needs time to move forward and process. He 
understands. Crossing into the Duart, he and Sadie are met with the image of London in a trippy light. Heading towards a waiting boat, they are met by some familiar gods. Nekbet and Babi have some words of warning for the pair before Carter orders them to swear loyalty to Ra. With a show of confidence gone, the two hop on the boat. It's about to get very real. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, the next two chapters. Oh, well, the, the, the rest of the time in the Duat is very good uh, and emotional at one point. Mm. You, you, you'll get to that, I think, next episode. But, um, yeah, like I just said earlier, this whole little scene with um, Carter and Zia was, I think it was pretty well done. I think it was, I, I often like making jokes about some of the authors I've read who appear on the subreddit Men Writing Women. Oh which God, is, yeah. Yeah. Are, are you aware of the subreddit? I have seen many, many a post from that subreddit. <laughs> yeah. It, it, it's pretty funny sometimes. Uh, it's also very cringe, but it's pretty funny. Um, I, I think this would be an example, a good example of Rick being like, I will have my female character maintain her boundaries and you know be expressive about what she wants to a point and it worked out pretty well oh i completely agree i think this scene was the thing that i like made this chapter for me because like Mm. she's addressing the awkwardness so she's not leaving him in the lurch which like from how i remember how everyone really disliked zia's sort of attitude towards him i 100% thought that must be where it was going like she was either mean to him or something like that and then we got this scene. I was like, okay, honestly, what were people talking about? <laughs> like, she's being really kind and respectful. And just like, she understands the situation that he's in. Like, he knows her in a different way. And obviously has this whole thing earlier in the chapter of like, her and Sadie are getting along. And he's like, what mm. the fuck? You hated yeah. each other before. And she was like, well, that technically wasn't me. And yeah. he's hating it. <laughs> Sadie's also, loving it. Also, we're bonding over all the ridiculous things your sister's telling me. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and his entire like he doesn't say it, but you can tell that he was just thinking, "Just kill me, just kill me now." <laughs> yeah. Oh man, no. The, the this would have been. I don't know. I, I know they're not dating yet. I don't know if they date in the third book or not. Don't tell me. I actually I can't remember wanna, either. I, I, I actually do want to read the third book when I get to it. Um, but this gives off like very showing your, like first boyfriend or girlfriend your child's baby pictures sort of vibes i don't know if you're aware of like that stereotype not not stereotype but like the tripe yeah the trope like especially in movies you'll be like oh you're my son's first girlfriend uh here is all of his baby pictures oh look at him in the bath oh you know all that (laughs) yeah yeah um this sort of gives the same vibes i i would pay good money to find out what sadie told zia Yes, oh my god, I would love to know that as well. But yeah, yeah, that whole scene, just basically what you were saying, yeah, and I think the thing that I'm loving the most about it is the fact that Carter is incredibly respectful. Like, obviously, internally, he's kind of like, oh, this kind of sucks. Yeah. But he doesn't let on that that's what he's thinking. Like, he's straight up just like, no, I understand. Mm. Um, uh, Like, it's fine, all that sort of stuff, basically. And I just love that, because that's so, unfortunately, rare for dynamics like this in like fiction yeah like... the the more like tropey way or whatever the how it would have been written would be that they kiss here 
and Zia either pulls back in shock or she pulled back. She's like, you know, I don't know why I wanted to do that or some some cringy line like that. that yeah. Like that would have been the trophy way to do it. Uh, but I'm glad that Rick, you know, takes it slow. Yeah. The only thing I can think of, for example, is like, um, you know, the scene in the Amber Island players in Avatar where yeah. Katara is like, oh, I'm really confused. And Aang kisses her thinking that will help her be less confused. Yeah. Well, they, they don't kiss in the play. They kiss in the, the actual show. Oh, you know, that's what I mean. That's what I mean. It's in like, because of what's happening oh, in the play. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yes, 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 yes. Because that's what led to it. They're watching the play. Yeah. And he's kind of like, do you actually have feelings for Zuko? Because he's stupid. And it's like, <laughs> my guy, we're in a war. Can we talk about this later? Yeah. And he makes a stupid choice. But like, yeah. that is 100%. I was like, oh God. Like when we were leading up to this, I was like, please don't, please don't. Yeah, <laughs> but then no. this happened. And I was like, oh my God. I know it's the bare minimum. But Carter it's for Pharaoh. The bare minimum. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the bare minimum. Uh, I did also like, there's the little, uh, was it? Wait, no, it was in the last chapter, right? Where like little flashback, or not flashback, a little vision of Vladimir and uh, and Desjardins where they're like, you know, Desjardins is getting killed. Uh there wasn't visions. No, there wasn't a vision or anything in this chapter. They just went straight into the duat afterwards. Yeah, there was basically there was um him relaying what he saw. Into there vision, we go. That's what it. Which is, is yeah. what led to them figure basically figuring out that it seems like Desjardins is being weakened by dark magic, not the mat. Yeah. And she like Zia thinks it may be Menshikov who's doing it. Yeah, uh, I have to say that I did enjoy the line in this chapter. I believe it's in this chapter where carter is like if you ever go to egypt to visit the great pyramids you know admire them from afar or, uh, admire them from afar uh because the closer up you get the uglier they are because like you know people have stolen all the gold and stuff that was on the pyramids yeah like the tourists the yeah. stealing colonization the, the, bullshit the, all that sort of yeah stuff. The, the little tourist area i find funny because it, it it doesn't even it doesn't matter what country you live in your country has that touristy area oh with, yeah you know, surrounded with vendors and tourists and people trying to, you know, pickpocket you or whatever. Like, doesn't matter where you live. Your 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 country definitely has that. Oh yeah, and so, this is the only thing I put a note about because I was like, I know it's me being nitpicky, but like, <laughs> he lists like Rick lists different things. Like he mentions like um, Times Square and New York has been one of those places, and then he mentions yeah. Piccadilly Circus, and I was like, that was the like worst one he could have picked. Like you should have <laughs> like Trafalgar Square is tourist central. Like, if you go there, you can barely walk around because there are so many tourists. The only thing I know about Piccadilly Circus is that once in a Dan is not on fire video, uh, he, he refers to it as the Times Square of London. Which ah. I guess you, you disagree with. Yeah, but maybe I'm thinking of the wrong place because, like, like, Trafalgar Square is the one that I'm, like, 100% think of. When, yeah, like... that, that name is falling on deaf ears. I have no idea what you're talking about. Oh, I also yeah. barely know what Piccadilly Circus is. I just get the general concept because I know what Times Square is like. Yeah, uh, I'm just looking at the photos now. I still wouldn't really have considered this to like basically like I'm looking at the photos of Piccadilly Square now, uh, Piccadilly mm. Circus now, and there isn't actually any tourist stuff. So basically, I think people are saying it's the same Times Square because they've got those big, you know, imagery. The- Boards yeah. on it and screens, but Look at like that. It's the there's no tourist. Logo. Wow, stuff. there's no tourist stuff there. But if you look at Trafalgar Square, hmm. 
like loads of tourists about they usually have like those little um yeah because it's also with the lion so all these sort of stuff i think it's also near where the buckingham palace is i could be wrong though i don't actually remember <laughs> um but like it's got all the places where people want to go to take the photos is in trafalgar square mm. okay um also, I don't know London very well, so I'm just 100% being nitpicky. Yeah, um, I don't know. I don't know Manhattan very well. Manhattan's like the very touristy area of New York City. Uh, like, you know, I went to I went to Manhattan to get ramen with like Erica and Megan, and I got lost trying to get on the train on the way back. I'm like, where the hell's the train? Oh no. I, I refuse to put Google Maps on. Like I, I refuse to turn it on for a bit because I'm like, no, no, no. I know where I am. I know how to do this. And then I didn't know how to do this, and I'm like, okay, well, I need to turn on Google Maps. Oh no. <laughs> yeah. Pride, pride. Um, yeah. You saw what happened with Annabeth with her hubris, you know. Yeah. <laughs> well, I don't have enough pride that I think I could recreate like if someone gave me the opportunity to recreate the universe i don't think my image of it would be perfect but uh if i think i'm going the right way i will not check until it is too late <laughs> that's fair i i hate that i could not do that i need to know <laughs> mm. even if i'm not the one driving i need to know the destination yeah otherwise i will panic <laughs> um but kind of moving on from like the individual chapter stuff, let's kind of go to the overview for both chapters. So go into uh, specific subject points for the episode. Thank so I'm you. intrigued to hear your thoughts on the plot so far, because obviously we're four chapters away from the finale at this oh, point. Oh, beautiful. Um, beautiful. So beautiful. we're, as I like to refer to it, we're quickly progressing to the end game. <laughs> um, yeah. You know, much like end game, uh, I feel like, the plot is sort of it's hitting a bunch of beats that we need to but it's also kind of like yeah okay so we're going to the duat we have to like wake up raw and like the next few chapters just feel like they're going from step a to step b step c there's not really there is a quote-unquote conflict that gets solved rather easily they you know like they're almost late oh no they are late and they can't access one of the doors so they have someone do time shenanigans you, you'll get to that um yeah you not, the look of confusion you have do you not know what i'm talking about i in the back of my mind i was like i feel like i recognize this but i'm also having a thing of like i'm just trying to think of like this book is like if we were thinking about the whole avengers endgame situation yeah um like the, the first third is just build up and kind of boring same thing for this book we're in the middle third where they're on the time travel adventure yeah uh, but we don't the, have the final half. The final half of Endgame no. is the third book. <laughs> you, I love how I'm talking in thirds and you talk in halves. Oh yeah, no, I did. I think I did mean yeah. thirds, but friend, I don't understand friend, friend, Hey friend, hey friend, what is bigger, one third or one half? One half. You are correct. Yes. Oh my god. <laughs> I could tell that was a very str strenuous guess. Yeah, it really was. Because in my head, I was like, but three is bigger than two. <laughs> no, that's, uh, yes, th that's because there are one out of three instead of one out of two. 
yeah. <laughs> Man, it's basic mathematics. It's very basic. You were saying that, but like literally, I did. They put me in for the higher paper oh because I could get so many. If I got just four right on that mm-hmm. paper, I get a passing grade. And now we're like, literally, we have to find a way to cheat the system because otherwise, Fran, you are not making it to university. Oh, that was no. literally their exact wording to me. It's like, we have oh, to find no. a way to cheat the system. Otherwise, you will not pass or have an education. And I was like, oh, great. No. <laughs> oh, geez. Yeah. Um, but yeah, plot. Uh, like, I, like, <laughs> like like I'm saying, I think we're now in the quote unquote time travel section where they're going to go into the duot, have their wacky adventures. That's only going to play take place over like two or three chapters because like you said, it's only four, cha- it's four chapters or is it I think it's chapters? four. Six chapters, my bad. Was oh, it six? Yes, because there's 24 chapters, and oh, yes. you're on chapter. We're gonna you're gonna start chapter 18 next episode. Uh, 19, you mean? 19, sorry, yeah, 19. Uh, okay. yeah, you have three more episodes. Look at you. Yeah. <laughs> and then you enter Heroes of Olympus for four whole books. God. Yeah. There's some short a... stories in between, I think. Uh, are there? Yeah, let me just double check. So I've got my timeline, so I can double check to see. I'm I'm trying to think if there's any stories. It would probably either be Kane Chronicles story. Oh yeah, you have no, not yet. No, the Kane Chronicle crossovers happen after both series are done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and it is uh the final Kane Chronicles book is after Blood of Olympus. Yeah. Oh, so you have to go through all remaining four books. A. Yeah. Oh no, I was wrong. I was wrong. So it is. Uh, there is no things in between. I think I was getting confused because there was some stuff in between prior. So like, there's a demigod, like Son of Magic, is before Throne of Fire. Uh, the yeah. Leo Vadez and Quest for Buford is before Red Pyramid and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's cool. It's great. Uh, it's gonna be great. Son of Neptune's great. Mark of Athena is great. House of Hades is great. Blood of Olympus. <laughs> But uh, I've got to finish this one first. But yeah. This, yeah, you do. Yeah. The, I've got to say, plot related wise, I like that we're getting an understanding of Menshikov's like, motivations. Mm. Um, they're kind of shit, but like, it's fine. Uh, <laughs> we've got multiple danger situations coming in, which is a really fun build up because we've got the whole Brooklyn House situation of that's going to be under attack. They've got to get through the Duart in time to be able to wake Ra, and it's like, oh my God. Um, it's just it adds tension to the whole the whole section that's happening at the moment and i just i really like that the only thing i want to add which is more it's not plot related yeah well, it kind of is but it's not but obviously we're going into the duart there's going to be the 12 different houses as they've mentioned and they've got to get through all of them and what i'm just loving is the idea that if netflix ever creates a netflix original theme park uh they need to have this duart 12 houses scene as a theme park ride like a water park theme of like like the log flumes that they do at different theme parks like that sort of vibe uh i i i genuinely honestly hope that the king chronicles movies get as big as the percy jackson show but you know that's just me oh completely agree completely agree Uh, he deserves it yeah but yeah, um, I see your little character section that you want to say Carter is truly the best boy. He is. I, I, I have to give it to him, at least for this chapter. He's the, the best boy. He really is. And it's basically just kind of repeating a lot of what we were saying before. Like, he's incredibly mm-hmm. respectful to, her, to Zia's situation. Uh, when he was worried, he was scaring her. Though we find out that he wasn't actually scaring her. She was more afraid 
of Menshikov than she was at Carter. Yeah. Um, the fact that he's not pressuring her to go back to what they had before or anything like that. Um, and fact, also, what did he have before with the Zia Shapti? Like, I think they was in there was the budding something. Did, did, did Carter? I don't even think they kiss kissed. The no, she they, they didn't. So I mean, uh, congratulations, Carter. You had a they nice organized a date. The, like, okay. Okay, they they getting... had like a bonding moment where like he had this whole thing and like the right, Shabti says yeah, to him, yeah. um, I would like to go, I'm, I'm sure Zia would like to go to one of those malls one day. That would be nice. Because they discussed, uh, there was a whole thing, they basically say it's a date because he talks about malls and she's like, what the, what the fuck's a mall? Um, <laughs> and it's like, oh, I'll take you. And it's either her or him who says, cool, it's a date or something like that. And there's like this uh, moment. Eh. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that that definitely happened. Oh God, who was? Um, ah, what was I gonna say? Um, yeah, and no, I remember that. Okay, so yeah, Carter's best boy. It's great that he respected Zia. I also, also for character appreciation, I Zia didn't have to. She could have just been like, "Fuck this weird guy. I don't really know." But. Yeah. And also some Sadie appreciation because Sadie was the one who talked to Zia and like explained everything to her. And Zia is like, okay, I believe you guys. And Zia was like, listen, I know this is a weird situation for both of us, but like, I don't want to do anything. I just want to go back to the Brooklyn house and defend it. So, uh, you know, I hope you understand. Oh, yeah. I got to say, the only thing that I have about Sadie in this chapter is uh, she revealed Walt's secret after he specifically told her not to. Yeah. He gets mad in this in this chapter, right? Doesn't he get mad? He gives her the evil eye for it, but then he basically has to lay it out after. Because obviously he can't not say anything now because of what she's yeah. said. Because everyone um, freaks out. They're like, Walt's sick. What? And then Walt's like, yeah, Sadie, I'm sick. What? Yeah. And basically his whole thing is, you know, this whole situation that I told Sadie in confidence. Yeah. Like literally, it's not even been a day. And she's already immediately told people. Yeah. But um, yeah, honestly, I think the only thing that I was somewhat missing from this chapter, more for like sort of like final thoughts on the situation for the whole two chapters, is that I wish there was a bit more of a sub sibling reconnection like moment. Yeah. Because like they left on really bad terms, like Sadie going out of her way to hurt Carter's feelings because he was splitting the party. Yeah, and they've kind of not really addressed that. I'm assuming they probably will in the next few chapters. Like that'll be a situation. But in my head, it's kind of like they haven't really spoken <laughs> at this no, point. They haven't considering it's they're so off in really bad terms. It's sort of like uh, it's significantly less, but it's sort of like at the beginning of Endgame when uh, Tony and Steve talk for the first time since Civil War, and you realize, oh yeah, they didn't quite resolve their issues with Civil War. They just like are presented with this thing that takes precedence. Yeah, yeah, and I think that's kind of like that's kind of what we need here. Yeah. Um, but I'm assuming just because like with everything that happened in these chapters, these were important. I'm assuming that's probably going to be what happens in the next two chapters. So I'm looking forward to that because I love the sibling situation. Like I really do wish there was more significance on the sibling situation. Um. It just be how it be. It just be how it be. Um, but I think that is all for this week. So uh, for everyone who's listening and is waiting for this part, as always, uh, this week's question of the episode will be going up on our social media. And this week's question is, 
do you think the Canes made the right choice with going to find Ra? Because I'm intrigued to see people's thoughts on this. Because like I think there are some division on this. Because I don't fully think they're making the right choice, but I also don't remember how it turns out. So <laughs> um, yeah. we'll see how it goes. Um, but yeah, Robert, tell everyone who's listening how they can find you, support you, all that sort of fun stuff. Yeah, hi. Uh, if you want to find me on the internet, I, podcast stuff, the only podcast I'm really focusing on putting my effort into is a podcast that Fran and I are on together. It's called uh, Entering Storybrook, where we go through Once Upon a Time, the edgy fairy tale TV show, uh, episode by episode, and talk about it. That's pretty fun. Uh, and other podcasts that I used to do, I'm trying to do something with them, but you know, no promises. Um, if you want to find my meme page, I am the damn meme page, jam spelled D-A-M on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. I mainly use Instagram out of the three because Twitter, the more I'm on Twitter, the less life I have. And the, and TikTok is very good, but also it's a lot more effort that I'm willing to put in. That is fair. But yeah, all of that is going to be linked in the episode show notes for anyone who's interested in supporting Roberto. <laughs> hey. Hey. Um, but uh, yeah, thank you all for tuning in, everyone, and be sure to have yourself a good week. Goodbye, folks. Bye. To plug where you can find our podcast, we are available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Audio Boom, Stitcher, and basically wherever you listen to your podcasts. In the meantime, between episodes, you can find the Best Damn Camp on various social media at Best Damn Camp Pod on Instagram and Twitter. If you want to email me with your thoughts on the episode, you can email the Best Damn Camp at hotmail.com, or if you want to support the podcast, you can head over to the Patreon page at patreon.com slash a healthy dose of Fran, which is linked in the episode show notes for things like early access to episodes and other exclusive perks. Want more Royalverse content? Check me out on YouTube at a healthy dose of Fran. And if you want to support my writing career, drop me a follow at a dose of Fran on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. Again, thank you all for tuning in. As always, I've been Fran, your very own hunter, and I'll see, shall I speak to you all next time. Bye.